Good morning, everybody. Those are just some of the groups that we offer this semester. You can find all of our groups at our website, welcometojourney.com, or by scanning the QR code that we put up throughout the, uh, the service today. You'll see it again at the end of the service, and you can grab it at that point. So glad you're here for Labor Day weekend. Welcome to those who are joining us online. Maybe you're away or couldn't make it today. We're glad that you're worshiping with us online today. Uh, a little uh, uh, behind the curtain information for communicators and for, uh, for pastors. You try not to, as a pastor, you, you try not to deal with an issue that is uh, maybe a a current crisis point. Like if you wait until something is a crisis and then you preach on it, then everybody thinks you're like picking on them or you're trying to address the crisis. Giving is one of those, like we get uncomfortable when we talk about giving, but if you only talk about giving when the church is in financial crisis, you know, everybody starts getting nervous and figures that out. So just, you know, teach the Bible and principles all along. So you try not to handle a weighty topic when you know everybody's already struggling with it. So uh, today, we're talking about anger, and I just want to see how everybody's doing. Um, Georgia fans, you're not angry today, are you? No, no, of course. See, that's what I want. I wanted to talk about this subject on a day when you weren't. Any Bama fans here? Bama, we got a few in the church. Maybe they're not here. They're not angry Today, I'm not angry. I'm, I'm not angry. We, we beat the Sisters of the Poor yesterday, and uh, I, it's a win. It's maybe the only one we get this year, but uh, South Carolina is winning. Tech fans, I, I love you. I'm, I really am on your side, okay? I grew up in Georgia. I went to South Carolina, but t- I really want Tech to do well, and I'm sorry that you may be angry this morning. The rest of us, you're not angry. So let's talk about anger, okay? Um, we're wrapping up a series, if you're new, we're wrapping up a series called Would You Rather? And we've, we've looked at decision-making at the beginning of the service, but then we looked at some choices that the Bible confronts us with, some, some this or that that we constantly have to choose between in our life. Would you rather? Today... Would you rather be angry or be free? And, and if, I, if I say it like that, the answer is implied, is it not? Like the answer is implied. You don't want to be angry. You want to be free. You don't, you don't want to live imprisoned by this hostile emotion, this, this uh, complex emotion, this damaging re- re- uh, emotion, a, a, a toxic emotion that inflicts damages on our relationships, um, our emotions, our spiritual life, even physically. Anger, anger has physical effects on our body. And so if I ask you, do you want to live your life angry all the time or free? We would obviously say, we want to be free. We want to be angry people. But then if you step back from the world, if you take an objective look, observation of conversations in our society, uh, what happens online, the, the, the tone of conversation, it could appear, maybe it does appear, that for many people in our world, in our society, they're, they're seeming to choose anger day after day, week after week, issue after issue. They're leaning towards the side of really getting worked up about a lot of things 
in our world. Our, our society in so many ways seems to be addicted to this anger, addicted to outrage. This feeling that I, I have to respond harshly to things. I, I, sometimes we think, well, I have to take a stand or, or I have to be bold. I have to speak about everything. We almost seem to have this addiction to the adrenaline rush of anger and arguing, and, and it's fed in our society. Uh, if, you, if you pay attention to news and news analysis and news opinions, it seems that, that all news analysis is targeted at making one group of people angry at another group of people, right? making one side angry, hostile, outraged, at the other side, if you pay attention to political rhetoric these days, what politicians post on social media, what they say in their speeches and their communication, same thing. It seems that political language is designed to make this group angry at that group. This people uh, outraged at this group of people. And, and our, our society seems to inflame that. Seems to encourage that. Obviously, when it comes to our leaders, uh, it's for the sake of getting and maintaining power. If I can keep them mad at them, this group angry and fearful of that group, then they'll support me. We're in this system that perpetuates outright outrage. It comes as no surprise to probably any of us that the internet and social media is a part of that feeding frenzy that continues to churn up this anger from groups against one another. Uh, Yale University recently released a study, and I want to read just a little bit from it. This is from a Yale News article from August 13th, just a couple of weeks ago. In the article, they write, social media platforms like Twitter, but fill in the blank with any other social media platform. Social media platforms like Twitter amplify expressions of moral outrage over time because users learn such language gets rewarded with an increased number of likes and shares a new Yale University study shows. And so I won't go into how they conducted the study, but the findings of the study was that the, uh, the affirmation of anger directed towards a group, it, it gets rewarded and so people repeat that anger, even escalate that anger. The article goes on to say, the team found that the, incent uh, that the incentives of social media platforms like Twitter really do change how people post. In other words, they get this feedback and so they want to post more. And they want to push more on the edge. They want to be more confrontational. Uh, users who received more likes and retweets when they expressed outrage in a tweet were more likely to express outrage in later posts. It's this feedback loop, right? I, I posted something kind of angry and I got feedback from the places I wanted to get feedback from and so I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it Again, Molly Crockett is one of the professors who conducted the study. At the end of the article, she says, Our data show that social media platforms do not merely reflect what is happening in society. Platforms create incentives that change how users react to political events over time. And I think most of us would say we've witnessed this in our lifetime. 
we've witnessed a type of dialogue and debate morph into something totally different over the last 10 years or 20 years. Like, totally different the way people interact with us in this study. Their findings were social media is not just reflecting what's happening in our society. It's actually creating the way we speak to one another, the way we think about one another, the way we engage in debate because it inflames this. It rewards this in us. The, the leaders of our nation, past and present, they have used anger uh, as a weapon to get and men, maintain power. A anger seems to be everywhere. And, and we, haven't even, we haven't even talked about the personal level of anger that many of us feel. I mean, we're just talking about Washington and politics and news and social media, but uh, many of us have deep wounds from the past. We've been betrayed. We've, we have perhaps experienced abuse. There have been people who have wronged us. We, we have personal experiences that create the challenge of dealing with deep, lasting, ongoing anger. Add, add all that's happening nationally, add all the, the global issues to the challenges you have because of your experiences and I have because of my experiences and the relational challenges that you've experienced that bother you, that create anger in you. And, and what we find is there's just no shortage of opportunities to be angry in our world, right? That's one of the things we have to admit is that there's always something that you could get angry about. There's always something that I could get angry about. There's always someone ready to push my buttons, to push your buttons. And we live in a world that is, that is typically not going to encourage you to resist that emotion. We live in a world that's typically not going to encourage you to dial that emotion down or even warn you that this emotion could be harmful to you. But the Bible does have some things to say about this emotion. God does have some thoughts on the emotion of anger. It is surprising how much the Bible talks about this one emotion. If you have a concordance, do a study. Look up anger. All the times it's listed in the Bible. Google. If you don't have a concordance, Google Bible verses about anger. And just look at all the list of verses about anger. Anger. The Bible talks over and over again about this emotion. And if I could sum it up, so what I want to do right here at the beginning, if I could sum up where the Bible lands on anger, it's here. The primary teaching on anger in the Bible is that it's dangerous and destructive, and we must get it out of our lives. If there's one theme that the Bible reinforces again and again about this topic of anger, it's, it's dangerous. It's destructive. You do not need to keep this in your life. You do not need to hold this in your life. You're going to feel it at some times. That emotion is going to rise up in you like all emotions do. You're going to feel that emotion at times, but you need to know it's dangerous, it's destructive, and it has to 
you have to get it out of your life as quickly as possible. Here are a couple of examples from the scriptures. Colossians 3.8. Paul writes, But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Every expression of anger from what you may consider to be the mildest expression to the most extreme expression to just that internal boiling that you feel to acting out in some physical way. All of that you need to get out of your life. He says something very similar in Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Just get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Paul doesn't say, and the general theme of the Bible is not, figure out the good things about anger and, and really emphasize those. That's not, that's not the general theme of the, of the Bible. It's not, you know, anger can be a good thing. That's not the general theme. The primary theme of the Bible is, this, this is, is that anger is destructive. It will harm you. It will harm the people around you. It will turn you into something you're not. You need to get it out of your life. Right? Now, why do we struggle with that? Why do we harbor anger? Why do we nurse it? Why, why do we keep it around? I think one of the reasons is we, we just become comfortable with anger. When you live in a society that is fueled by so much outrage and division and finger-pointing and us against them... When you live in that society, you just get comfortable with that. You get comfortable with that agitation. You get comfortable with responding harsher than is necessary to every issue. You just get comfortable. It feels like, well, this is how I'm supposed to respond. And, and what happens is we end up living in this perpetual sense of agitation. And anger at other people, at issues, at the world, at whatever. Now, let me deal with a response that people often make to the issue of anger. Religious people especially. Christian people especially. Often when, when the issue of anger comes up or, so, or someone says, you sound kind of angry about this subject. When, when the issue of anger comes up, often religious people will say, well, you know, Jesus turned the tables over and ran people out of the temple the, the week before his death. You know, Jesus got angry enough to turn tables over. And that's true. But to see how often people reference that example... You would think Jesus did this every single day of his life. Like this was his normal operating mode that he carried a whip around wherever he went and just swung at people every day. Like every day he was in this zone of unleashing his anger. And it, it, let me just tell you, he did this one time in 33 years that we know of. Like his righteous anger got to that point one time. In 33 years, as far as we know. So if you're going to quote that verse every time you want to get angry, what I would say to you is, you get one time every 33 years. You get one time. If you've already used it, 
You got 33 years before you get to use it again. This was not how Jesus interacted with people every single day. This was not how Jesus responded every single day. And let me remind you that what Jesus was angry about that day was the injustices that were being done to the poor and the marginalized and the foreigner, the way that those in power were taking advantage of those who didn't have power. That's what ticked Jesus off that day. Not my current pet peeve, right? My current issue that I'm mad about. That's not what Jesus got angry about that day. He got angry because powerless people were being taken advantage of. But this was not how Jesus interacted in general throughout his life. Um, what, what, what makes it difficult for us to face our anger? What makes it difficult for us to deal with our anger, rid ourselves of anger? I, th- I think one of the reasons is we feel justified in our anger. We have a way, part of this feedback loop, the people that we talk to, the people that all agree with us, we have a way of convincing ourselves that we're right to be angry. I'm right and they're wrong. I am justified in the way that I feel. This is a hill worth dying on. We convince ourselves that we are justified to feel this level of anger and agitation, right? But even if we have a good reason, even if we have a good reason for our anger, and, and, and some of us, we have life experiences that, were, that are hard, that are traumatic, where there are wounds. I'm not minimizing those. Like some of us have real hard life experiences that cause us to struggle with this emotion of anger, even if it's a good reason. The Bible is really clear. It's going to destroy you if you keep nursing it. It's going to harm you. It's going to ruin relationships. It's going to make your life difficult, regardless of the reason. And no amount of justification is going to change that. You talking about how you're right to feel angry is not going to change the destruction that it's going to do to your life. Remember the story of Jonah? Uh, God sends Jonah to Nineveh. He's the one that gets swallowed by the fish and then vomited up on the beach. But the, the main story is God comes to Jonah and says, I want you to preach to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah doesn't want to preach to the people of Nineveh. And finally, through a series of events, God gets him to Nineveh and he preaches and the people repent and, and they turn to God and God forgives them and he shows them mercy. And then at the end of the story, Jonah's mad. Jonah's so angry with God, and he just tells God off in chapter 4. Read Jonah chapter 4 sometimes, because Jonah's just telling God off, and he's saying, I knew you were going to do this, and I didn't want you to do this, and this is exactly why I didn't want to go to Nineveh, and you're terrible, God, and what's wrong with you? Like, he's, he's furious with God, and here's God's response. Is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Like, are you really justified in your anger? Do you think you're in the right on this? And that's the problem with anger is that 
we get, convi- we get convinced we're justified. We, we get convinced, well, I'm on the right side, and somebody's got to tell them. Cain is the same way at the beginning of Genesis. You read the story where Cain kills Abel. You'll, you'll find this smugness in Cain when God first approaches him. Am I my brother's keeper? What did I do? There's this smug, there's this justification of what he had done and the level of anger that he felt. And we are all susceptible to that because we all think we're right. We are susceptible to justifying our own anger. Another way we justify our anger is we just deny it. We just refuse to admit, well, I'm not angry. I'm just telling the truth. I'm not angry. I'm just telling the truth. Everybody around you thinks you're angry. So maybe you're angry. We don't want to think of ourselves as angry. So so one of the ways we avoid dealing with it is we just deny it. Now that's, I'm not that. Other people are that. I'm not that. Another thing we do. We spiritualize our anger. We spiritualize our anger. Uh, we, as religious people, as, as, as Christians, we get angry over an issue that the Bible really does not address, but we're really passionate about it, and so we say that it's a biblical issue. When it, it maybe not. Maybe the Bible never speaks into that. But it, but it makes us feel more justified if we can say, well, like the Bible says, right. well, like God says, and then we fill in whatever our opinion of the topic is. Or we make something about the end times. It's not really about the end times. Right. Well, this is in the book of Revelation. This happened when in the book of Revelation that didn't happen. And most of us don't know what happens in the book of Revelation, but it's just a nice, it's a nice thing to grab when there's some big issue out there that I'm mad about. Okay, and, and, and we're having some fun, but I want to cha- challenge you. Do not speak for God on these issues. Do not speak for God about your personal opinion on an issue. For those of us who are religious, and you're here, right? There's some element of of wanting to know God and and walk with God. For those of you who are believers, who follow Jesus, who love God and worship Him, the most important part of our life is is spiritual. It's what's happening spiritually in my relationship to God. But the temptation then becomes to take something that God hasn't said And to believe it as if God said it, right? To superimpose spiritual language over my opinions or current issues that I see. And some of us is, some of it is just us trying to make sense of things. We want things to make sense and we want God to be on a side. And specifically, we want God to be on our side. I understand that. I'm just warning you. Like, be real careful assuming that God's on your side all the time about every issue that comes up. It is, it is fine for you to have an opinion. 
It, it is fine to you to be on a side. It is not fine to claim that everything you think is what God thinks. It's not fine to do that. It's not fine to attribute all of your opinions to God. Be very careful spiritualizing your anger as a justification for what you're feeling. Here's something else we need to realize about anger. Anger comes from somewhere and it leads to somewhere. Anger is not stagnant and it doesn't just show up. Right? Anger comes from something. It's coming from somewhere into your life, but it's not just staying there. It's immediately taking you somewhere. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from a lot of places. Right? It, comes, it comes from disappointments. It comes from hurts and wounds. It comes from betrayals that you've experienced in your life. It, it's come from evil people in your past that, maybe abused you or used you. Okay, I, I, I understand that. It comes from a lot of places. Sometimes anger comes from insecurities. A lot of my anger comes from insecurities. That's my defense mechanism if I feel really insecure at times or if I get defensive. Um, anger sometimes comes from those places. Sometimes anger springs from a lack of control. For some of us, when we feel out of control, the emotion that we exhibit is anger. For some of us, it's a temperament issue. It's a personality issue. I think uh, we have to be honest. And, you know, none of our temperaments, personalities are perfect. We're, we're fallen. We're, we're sinful. And some of us, our temperament is just closer to the anger line than others. Right? It, it comes from that. Anger, the emotion, it comes from a lot of different places. And some of, it's, some of it's psychological, some of it's trauma. A lot of that's above my pay grade, right? And, and there may be times we need to work through some of that with a, with a counselor uh, to help us with that part of it. But, but anger stems from a lot of different places. Sometimes it comes from embarrassment, right? I, I feel embarrassed or, or I feel put on the spot and I respond harshly. Uh, it can come from a lot of different places. What I would say to you is do your best to get clarity on where yours is coming from. I think for most of us, the anger that we feel stems from just a couple of places, and it's different for all of us, but it's not like 40 places that lead you to anger. There are a couple of things for whatever reason, that bring that out in you and you would be well served to figure out what those things are. What, what are those things and why do I respond to that? And don't take the easy answer because the easy answer is, well, that person does it, right? My boss does it. My workplace does My spouse does it. This. That's the easy route, but why does that bring up anger in you? Like, what is the level below whenever I'm with that person I get? What is it that's stirring that up in you? Because anger comes from somewhere. Something is feeding that in you. And if you have ignored it for long enough, it's going to be more difficult to dig down and find out what that thing is. Right? But that's why you need to begin this process. It comes from somewhere. 
But it not only comes from somewhere, anger is dynamic because as soon as it settles in you, it, it immediately begins to take you somewhere. A couple of verses. This is Proverbs 30, verse 33. For as churning cream produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife, right? Your classic if A, then B uh, argument. If this is true, then this is going to happen. If you churn cream long enough, it's going to become butter. It just is. That's where it goes. If you grab somebody's nose and twist it, it's going to bleed. If A, then B. And then the, the final statement if you stir up anger, like if you harbor anger, if you allow anger in your life, you know where it's going to lead? It's going to lead to conflict every time. It's going to lead to relational breakdown. It's going to lead to struggle and difficulty. It's going to lead to strife. That's what it does. Anger doesn't come and stay stagnant in you. It immediately begins to move you towards something. One of those things is conflict. Psalm 37, 8, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Where is it taking you? The psalmist says it's taking you to evil. That agitation, that anxiety that comes from anger and wrath. If you nurse it long enough, if you hold on to it long enough, it's moving. And it's going to take you with it towards conflict, towards Evil, James says in James 1, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Anger is always coming from somewhere, but it's when it lands in you, it begins to take you towards conflict, towards evil, and away from the righteousness that God desires for you. It's always moving. It's, it's, it's like a river. It's like standing on the bank of a river, and there's a fast-flowing river. And when you step into that stream, you immediately start moving downstream. Stepping into anger is the same way. Stepping into anger is like stepping into a fast-moving current. And we don't think of it that way because we think we got it under control. Like it's in here. I've got it. I'm managing it. Jesus turned over tables. This is righteous anger. Whatever we tell ourselves. But the problem is you've stepped in the stream at that point. And it is moving you to conflict. It's moving you toward evil. It is moving you away from the righteousness of God. And I'm going to say it again. It doesn't matter the cause of the anger. It doesn't matter the cause. It, it doesn't matter where it's coming from. Even if we all agree that's a legitimate anger right there. I get it. I know why you... I would be angry too if they did that to me. Even if we all agree it's legitimate, it's still a stream that's taking you to conflict and evil and away from the righteousness of God. So what do we do? I mean, how do we get rid of it? How, how do we deal with it? Repent, obviously. Right? When you identify it, then come clean. God, this is in me. It's bigger than I can control. I don't want to be controlled by outrage and anger. I want to be forgiven. I want to turn to you. Repent, pray, spend time in God's word. Put, get your mind in the right place at the beginning of the day. Time with God at the beginning of the day. Allowing the Holy Spirit to, to restrain this negative emotion in you. Sometimes we can remove ourselves from the source of anger. Not, not every time. 
Like sometimes you've got to work through the situation while you're in the situation. I understand that. Sometimes you have to work through the relationship while you're in the relationship. I understand that. But there are times when you can distance yourself from whatever is inflaming the anger that you're feeling, whether that's a person or an environment or a particular debate or argument, like a particular issue. You know that every time you step into that, like your anger goes way up. Why don't you step back then? Why don't, you, why don't you step out of it? You can distance yourself from that. Another suggestion. In order to resist anger, we need to speed up and slow down certain things. There are things that we need to be quick to and things we need to be slow to, according to what we just read in James. James says we, we need to be slow to anger. I'm sorry, we need to speed up listening and slow down talking. We need to speed up listening, slow down talking. Right? Be quick to listen, slow to talk. Right? And, and how many times am I slow to listen and quick to talk? Right? James has a, a, a pretty foolproof formula here. And it starts with, you need to say less and listen more. You need to say less and contemplate more. You need to say less, let issues settle more. As we've talked about this. Is part of the danger of social media is you have to respond now. You have to respond to everything. You have to respond quickly. You have to be in the conversation. James would say, no, you don't. No, you don't. You could not say anything about that. You, you could wait till you have all of the information before you say anything about that. You, you could wait. Most of the world doesn't need your genius on that particular topic. It'd be fine if you wait. Why don't you be quick to listen and slow to speak? So, so that you have more time to get God's heart on whatever this is. So, so that you, you have more time to study God's word on what this is. So, so you have more time to think through whatever the issue is. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. And, and a reminder I sometimes give us, this message is for you. Right? It's for you, the individual you, not for the person sitting next to you. Right? Like if your response to this is, you're absolutely right. People need to listen to me more. Okay, that's the wrong response. No, you need to listen. I need to listen more. Speak less. I need to pray more, contemplate more, and not rush into the debate and the argument so quickly. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And then we need to be slow to anger and quick to let go of anger. Slow to anger, meaning I don't go zero to a hundred in three seconds. This is part of the struggle of the society that we're in is we can ramp up how quickly we get to outrage nowadays. Just how quickly the switch flips in us and we're angry about something. James says, no, you need to be slow to get there. It needs to take a lot to get you there. You don't need to go zero to a hundred. You need to be slow to anger. And then you need to be really fast to get rid of anger once it's in you. 
This is Paul's writing in Ephesians 4. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And sometimes we read that verse and we say, well, there it is. You can be angry and not sin. And that's true, but that's not where Paul stops. Paul says the way to experience the emotion of anger, and we all will. We're all going to experience the way to experience the emotion of anger, but not let it lead you into sin is to get rid of it quickly. In Paul's terms, and I don't know if he's been literal or not, but if we take him literally, Paul's saying, you got about 12 hours at the most. you got about 12 hours at the most. Before the sun goes down, you need to deal with that. You, you need to work with that. You need to let the Holy Spirit take control of that. You're going to feel anger. You know how to let it not lead you into conflict and evil and away from the righteousness of God is you got to deal with it fast. You got to get rid of it fast. When you find yourself in the stream, in the current of anger, we all will. When you find yourself in the current, don't tube all the way down to the bottom of the river. Get back out. Get back out. So, God, I don't, I don't want to go where this leads. This happened. I'm angry, out agitated, whatever the word is you want to use. I am feeling this emotion. I do not want to end up where this emotion will take me. Get out. Last thing. Proverbs 16, 32. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. And my translation obscures the connection a little bit. When it says better a patient person, it can be translated Better someone who's slow to anger. It's the, it's the Old Testament um, visual word of flaring nostrils like a bull, like heavy breathing, like that sort of thing. It's a really vivid Old Testament word. Better is someone who's slow to get there. It's better to be someone who's slow to anger than to be a warrior. Better to be a person that's self-controlled than to conquer a city. To be a conqueror and a fighter and victorious and winning. He says, no. Better than winning all the time is you through the power of the Holy Spirit being in control of you. You being in control of what's happening on the inside of you. A lot of times, we want to conquer when it comes to our anger, right? We want to win. We want to win the argument. We want to win the debate. We want to conquer the issue. We want to conquer the politician. We want to conquer Washington. We want to conquer the nation. We want to, we want to win. The problem is... We want to conquer issues and people, but we don't want to conquer ourselves. We don't want to conquer ourselves. We don't want to win on the inside. I just want to beat you. And the scripture says, you know, it's better for you through the grace of Jesus and the the mighty work of the Holy Spirit. It's better for you to live a life of self-control than to win all the time. 
to be the warrior all the time, to take the city all the time. You control you. You let God do what he wants to do in you because if you don't, if you are led by your anger, if you keep getting in that stream, it's going to take you places you don't want to go. It's going to take you where you don't want to go. So we have to decide, would we rather be in that stream? Would we rather be filled with that emotion that's eventually going to damage and destroy us and the people around us? Or would we rather be free from the prison of that? Would we rather be free from the control of a toxic emotion in our life? Which would you rather be? God, we ask that you would come and work in us. We are so grateful that we were created to be emotional people. It gives such color and depth to our existence and to our relationships. But we know that our emotions are flawed. They are susceptible to deceiving us. We know that we live in a world that just encourages that. We live in a world that will reward and inflame our anger. We don't want to be warriors at the expense of being in control of our emotions. We don't want to win at the expense of being slow to anger. Across this room, what tempts us to anger is very different. For some, it's public matters. For some, it's very private matters. Some maybe are hard to understand. Some are just really easy to understand why that would make someone angry. But the destiny of all anger is the same. Destruction and brokenness. So help us not to live there. Help us not to stay in that stream. Set us free from the toxic results of a life of anger. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.